Back in April of 2018, someone sent us a prophetic word. And then I had him come and actually read it in the church. And I believe that we're in a critical moment where some of this is actually coming to pass. I'm going to read the word to you. It's from a local businessman. It wasn't even from our church. I, I kind of knew who he was, but I didn't know him. And so he came and he read this word. He said, I was visiting your church Sunday morning, April 8th, and while on the way, the presence of God started to fall on me, and I started to receive a word for your church. During the worship, it came full on me in power and clarity. Since I'm a visitor and you don't know me, giving a word is not acceptable, I'm guessing, so I'll give it to you to receive or throw out. Here's the strong word of the Lord that fell on me Sunday for you. Who are you? Who are you, Freedom Fellowship? I will tell you who you are, says the Lord. You are Gideon. You are the least of these. You are children, but you will fan out and free captives. You will pursue the enemy across the land and over the borders. You will tear down monoliths, false places of worship, and I will go before you. You mistakenly look at larger organizations with millions in their budgets to learn what has worked for them. But I say to you, I can do more through you with my spirit in a cornfield than I can through them. You look to them and imitate, but I say in the future, they will come to imitate you. Who are you, Freedom Fellowship? I say you are Gideon. You are my children, and I am spirit. I am, called my, I am calling my Gideons, all my children, to do my will. I am spirit, and I'm about to take control of, the, of my church because I can, and this is what is coming. I'm about to take the world through my children, through Gideons, the unassuming, the nobodies, and the unnamed. And when I do, the latter church will not resemble the former church. Through the unassuming, the nobodies, the least of these, I will take my place and I will reach the world. That is what is coming and I'm going to use the least of you. The first will be last and the last will be first and I'll move through you in power. This is not a leadership movement. It is the least of these movement. By my leadership through each one, says the Lord. Who will seek me out with all your strength, might, and soul? I say, touch me and I will touch you. Who are you, Freedom Fellowship? You are Gideon. And through the least of you, I will take my message to the world to rule and reign in your day. To the unnamed, unassuming least of these, keep your eyes fixed on me and not others, for I have assigned you your place. You will lead the charge. These are not words of flattery. They are holy words, says the Lord. He said, when I heard, uh, this is from Marlon. Now, if you've heard this word with love, peace, tenderness, and quiet humility, then it's not a word from me or from my mouth. For I heard this word from the Lord shouted out as with a loud, thundering voice of authority. Read it in that fashion to your church members to the least or do not read it at all. Sorry, I didn't, I didn't shout loud enough. I should have done that. When I heard it, I felt the foundation shake. Someone was telling me they were feeling the, the ground shake here this morning in the spirit. 
I felt the core of me melt, so I read it as a command with authority and with a thundering voice. So read it as, uh, and God has shown me only a few churches who are coming to take up the lead and a few people who have been assigned to be mighty men and women of God. They're always the least, the unknown and the unassuming, but God has put his mighty spirit on them, a power uh, of authority that is still not obvious or recognizable to others. Yet they are mighty in his kingdom and they will rule by authority. I say to you, you will lead and you will take up the charge, but do not forget your name. You are Gideon and will lead the Lord's charge. This will come. The Lord says, remember to listen to me, look to me, for with my spirit on you, I can do more with you in a cornfield than through great organizations with their, multi, with their million dollar budgets. So do not desire the lesser blessing. I think this is our this is our day. I think this is our time. I think God's called us to lead the charge. I think it was Mark, was, was it Mark or Cindy was telling me about the false humility thing this morning? Was that you? Who was telling me that? That they felt the Lord has taken apart this false humility thing. And, and I guess he's ripping it out of me because I'm, the Lord's moving me forward and I'm willing to take my place to lead this charge. Amen. So this is something that I wrote out of Judges 7. And by the way, we're going to get ready to take up a special offering for Fire in the Hills in a couple of minutes. Uh, and uh, we, we have got a pretty large budget that we need to meet. And so whatever God puts on your heart, uh, just feel free uh, to write out a check to Freedom Fellowship Church, whatever. And, uh, and this offering is all going to go to the expense of, that, uh, of, of doing that uh, event. And uh, just, just obey the Lord, and it's going to be amazing. Amen? Um, Judges chapter 7, verse 1 says, Then Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him, rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. Midian means strife. 
or discord. Midian, the Midianites were the ones who were oppressing God's people in the days of Gideon. And so Midian means strife or discord by implication, anarchy, violent discontent. The Midianites are the lawless elements of our culture being stirred up by demonic powers to force change, revolution, and tyrannical rule. Midian is a principality of lawlessness that uses media to manipulate public opinion, much as Hitler's propaganda minister Joseph Goebbels manipulated public opinion of the Germans to support Hitler's murderous agenda. Most Americans would be horrified at the thought of supporting a monster like Goebbels, but have already been brainwashed to support similar monsters in our own culture. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. And 22,000 of the people returned, and 10,000 remained. COVID pandemic, the ensuing shutdowns, the mandates on churches and businesses, etc., was the vehicle that was used to send the 22,000 home. The fearful. Fearful of sickness, fearful of government, fearful of public opinion, media attention, and or our own peer group's opinions. Many had given verbal assent to strong positions of faith, but had never put faith into practice in everyday life. When the pressures rose around them, pressures that they were not accustomed to standing up against, they had insufficient strength in their faith to stand up to it. Faith that's theoretical. Listen, I've got this whole thing, and I'm not going to minister it this morning, but, but the Lord has been ministering to me about what I'm going to probably call three-dimensional faith or active faith or faith in action. Word faith is powerful but insufficient. Amen? And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to explain to you why. It's, it's, it's good to believe and it's good to confess, but those two alone will not build a foundation that will stand against the storm. It's those who hear and do, not just those who hear and say. It's those who did the word that had, had a foundation under their house that was able to stand against the storm. So if you haven't put your faith into action, you're not going to be able to stand up to the storm. So it's active faith that overcomes the, the assignments of the enemy against us. It's not just verbal faith or, well, I believe, but it's faith that we've put into action and we've built up a faith muscle because we put it to work in our life. Amen? But that removed most of the population of our churches from the field of battle. Verse 4 says, But the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Bring them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. 
And then it will be that of whomever I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say to you, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. And so he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, By the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go. Every man to his place. So, so let me let, see the picture. They go down to the water, and they're all thirsty, right? Everyone but 300 men forgot about their assignment and buried their face in the water. All they were, all they were concerned with was satisfying their appetite. 300 men put their hands down the water, brought water up to their mouth, and kept their eye on the enemy. They knew they were on an assignment and they weren't willing to compromise that assignment to indulge their appetites. The Lord said, bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. The edge of the water is where our lives intersect with culture. Where we interface with the world and its systems. There we have an opportunity for our motives to be tested. Are we primarily concerned about our appetites, burying our face in the waters of the world and indulging our needs? Or do we carefully take only what we need and refuse to be distracted from the enemy? Our kingdom assignment must remain foremost or we will be disqualified on the eve of battle. By the hand of the 300, this battle will be won. Not by a majority of people with only saving faith, who've accepted fear as normal and nominal commitment to the enemy's destruction, but a handful of surrendered, committed, and courageous warriors who are not willing to make peace with the enemy's victimization of God's people. Verse 8 says, So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men. Now the camp of Midian was below him in the valley. I consider it a great honor to lead today's courageous 300 kingdom warriors. I felt the Lord gave me a very specific commission when COVID broke out, that I'm to be very careful who I invite here to speak to this body. So I went after missionary types. I went after front lines warriors that could pour their courage into this body. Because the Lord said, this is going to be a special forces training camp. And it's become that. And, and three times in Joshua 1, the Lord told Joshua what the necessary element was for him to go into Canaan and take the land. He didn't give him a list of all the godly character traits that we grew up with, you know, gentleness and kindness and meekness and all those things. He said, only be of good courage. Told him three times, this is what you're going to need to take new ground is your courage intact. 
Only be of good courage. The rest of it he'll deal with as we go. But you have to be courageous. You have to be willing to face your enemy. And you've got to be willing to take a stand without compromise. And that's what, got, that's what we've been pouring into this body. And we've been doing that strategically. And I believe that, that uh, the fire in the hills thing got kicked off just the right way. Because there was so much courage that's been being poured into that, into that event. And so many people that are being ignited that are coming and such a powerful glimpse of what the, the body of Christ looks like. Every nation, every tribe, every tongue. As it's, as it's seen locally, people from all different walks of life coming together and worshiping Jesus together in one spirit. This has to, you know, there, there's a progression in Ephesians 4. And it begins with... Uh, protecting the unity of the spirit. And then further down after he talks about the fivefold ministry, he says, until we all come to the unity of the faith. We've tried to start there. We all got to come into agreement on what, on what we believe and on our doctrine. No, that's not where we start. We start the same place they did on the day of Pentecost, unity of the spirit. It's the spirit who makes us one. You know, God will work out the spots and the wrinkles as we go, but it's the Spirit of God that unites us and calls us to, to battle together. Amen? And this is that time. And he's the one who gives us one language. Isn't it interesting? On the day of Pentecost, he gave them languages. Everyone heard in their own tongue. And he ignited the church with Holy Spirit fire so that flames of fire were visibly seen on their heads. It was evidence of what God was doing inside of them. Amen? Jesus is in the inner court as our high priest, and he's pouring oil into the lamps, and he's igniting them. And as he does, flames of fire. I'm excited. Jesus is igniting his church and calling us to take our place to rout the powers of the enemy and put them to flight. And this is our hour. And I, I'm excited to help lead this charge. And, and I just want to remind every one of you who you are. Some of you are feeling kind of beat up because you've been going through some rough stuff. Well, that's just been in preparation. We've all been going through rough stuff in preparation. Uh, you know... Frontlines of warriors aren't made in the classroom or in palaces. They're made in the battlefield. And some of you have been going through your own personal battles. That's not to whoop you. It's to make you. It's to help you find your courage, your resilience, your faith. It's to give you the stamina and, and the commitment that you're going to stand no matter what kind of a fire you go through. There's been a whole bunch of Hebrew children going through the fiery furnace. And you're finding that Jesus walks through with you. And you're coming out on the other side freer than you went in. Amen? This is our time. Amen? So, Father, we're grateful for your amazing love. Do we have communion ready this morning? We do. Thank you, Jesus. We, we kind of uh, went past that the last couple of weeks. Been too busy. Uh, with everything else going on. So we're going we're gonna to close with communion, and, but we're going to take up our offering. Let's do that first uh, for Fire in the Hills. Father, we thank you for providing for all of the, the needs, for all of the expenses of this crusade. 
We thank you, Father, for kingdom seed sown into fertile ground and sown into the destiny of our own community. And we thank you, Father, for everything that you plan for our people. I think the worship is one of the most amazing things. You know why it's so essential? Because music is something that's been robbed from our tribe. We are a musical people who've been robbed of one of our most powerful gifts. We're also a creative tribe, and we've been robbed of our creativity. And, and, and I see a freedom. You know what happens when, when we're robbed of our creativity? It's, it's twisted into perversion. People who are not free to be creative, it actually manifests in perversion. That's why you see so much of that darkness in our culture. People need to have their creativity released so that it can be expressed freely under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Or the enemy grabs hold of that thing and he brings it into darkness and it's into perversion. It's time for our people to be set free. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for providing for all of the needs. Uh, you can text to give if you want to, keyword fire. Let's take up this offering, and then we'll move into communion. <laughs>